Welcome back, and thank you for joining me for this final session. We finally arrived at the end of the book of Jonah. We're going to conclude chapter four today. Uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever watched a very, just a great movie uh, oh, that started great, but had a very disappointing ending? I've had a few of those where I just like, it started great and I was like, wow, I love this movie. I can't wait to recommend it. But then the ending, I'm just like, wait, what? What just happened? Well, the book of Jonah is kind of like that. Like the book of Jonah starts with a lot of action, a lot of activity. But when we get to the end of this chapter, you're going to be like, wait, wait, like, is that the end? Like, like what happens next? And there will be no answer. So um, I, I'm, I'm, it sort of ends abruptly. The book of Jonah ends abruptly. So I just I want you to know in advance so that when we get to the end, you're not shocked or disappointed. It doesn't end the way we hope it would end. Now, like I said, this message is a continuation of uh, the last session, session four. And so the big idea, the summary of this um, chapter is still the same as last week, which is this. Let me remind you, if you know it, say it with me or it's right there on the screen. But say it with me. Compassion is meant for the people in our life, not the things in our life. And yes, uh, in the last session, we saw this illustrated um, in, in Jonah's attitude towards the Ninevites. Today in this final, uh, today in this final session, we're going to see it illustrated in Jonah's attitude towards the disposable things in his life. Jonah cares more for the things in his life that you can throw away than he does for the people in his life. And we're going to learn from his mistake. So uh, in Jonah chapter four, when we get to verse six, um, it looks like Jonah still cannot, he can't get it through his thick skull that God cares about people. And so God is going to use three separate visual illustrations to, to number one, to expose Jonah's ugly heart, like his ugly attitude, but also is going to help Jonah understand why God really cares about people, not just things. The first illustration that God uses is a visual illustration of a plant, a plant or a vine. So um, if you recall the story from the last session, Jonah has left Nineveh. He's gone to the east of the city. He's built a little tent, a little theater from where he can hopefully watch God judge the Ninevites. Well, while Jonah is waiting for the Ninevites to be destroyed, it's probably starting to get really hot in the Middle East. And so verse six says, then the Lord God provided a leafy plant, a vine, and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. You know, when I read this passage, I actually laughed a little bit. I laughed because I don't know if you noticed this, but um, the end of verse six, where it says Jonah was very happy about the plant is the only time in the entire book when Jonah is happy about anything. In fact, in the original language, when it says very happy, the word there translates to Jonah was exceedingly glad about a plant, which, which is just a crazy thought when you think about all that Jonah has been through. I mean, think about this. When he was saved from drowning and swallowed, rescued by a giant fish, his response was, oh, thank you, God, for that. I, I appreciate that. 
When an entire city repented of their sin and turned to faith in God, Jonah's response was, great, good for them. But when God provides a simple, small plant to cover him as shade, Jonah is so excited. He's like, this is Christmas and my birthday. Like he's celebrating. This is the happiest moment of his life. And it's as if God was trying to help Jonah see that, oh, okay, so Jonah, good, good for you. So you do know how to be happy. So you do know how to celebrate and you know that you're supposed to be glad when good things happen, that when good things happen, that's good. You've passed lesson number one. That's the reaction you're supposed to have when good things happen. And so God moves Jonah to the visual lesson number two and three. Really, he gives him the illustration of a worm and hot wind or a scorching east wind. Look at verse seven and eight of Jonah chapter four. It says, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God also provided a scorching east wind, very hot wind. And the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint and he wanted to die. And he said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right? For you to be angry about the plant? It is, Jonah said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. You know, <laughs> like, like God wasn't just messing with Jonah, right? Like God's not just messing with him. God, remember, God is doing this to help Jonah understand how painful it can be when you lose something and how much more meaningful a human life is than a mere plant. And man, Jonah is angry. I mean, this plant apparently was the one happy thing he had in his whole life. Jonah is so angry that when God comes to him a second time in verse nine and God says to him, Jonah, is it right? Really? Like, is it right for you to be angry about this plant? Jonah's response to God is so arrogant and so brash. Let me summarize it for you. Basically, Jonah says to God, yes, I have every right to be angry and I'm going to be angry till the day I die. As a matter of fact, I'm so angry. I'm just going to die right here. Like He's whining like a little baby. I mean, that's a summary of what verse eight and nine says. And so now that God finally has his attention, God explains to Jonah why God just put him through all he went through. And remember what the big idea is, that, God, that compassion is meant for the people in our lives, not the things in our life. And this is what God wants to show Jonah. So um, once again, let me, let me summarize for you what verse 10 to 11, what God basically says to Jonah. God basically says to Jonah in verse 10 to 11, God says, Jonah, you were exceedingly happy. You were very happy when I provided this plant for you and you have displayed more pity and more compassion for this dead plant than anything else today. It's just a plant. It has no soul. It grew up in one night and was dead by morning. You didn't water it. You didn't pour water on it. You didn't, you didn't plant the seed, yet you have showed incredible amount of compassion towards that plant. Are the citizens of Nineveh worth any less? 
Should I, as God, not have even greater pity and greater mercy towards the Ninevites? Are they not worth more than this simple dead plant? Yet you got, you got angry when, when the sun was beating on your head, but you did not set, shed a single tear when I threatened to destroy the Ninevites, who are worth much more than a single dumb plant. Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? That's what God was trying to say to him when you read verse 10 to 11. In fact, God doesn't stop there because in verse 11, God gives Jonah some statistics, some some numbers about the people in the city of Nineveh. God says to Jonah in verse 11, he says, Jonah, there are you want me to destroy them? There are a hundred and twenty thousand people in the city of Nineveh who cannot tell their right hand from their left. You know what God is referring to when he says 120,000 people? He's talking about the number of children, children who are very young, can tell their left, probably even babies who can't tell their left hand from their right hand. That means if you multiply the number of babies and you multiply the number of parents and the single adults, it's very possible that in the city of Nineveh, there's approximately half a million people anywhere from 500,000 people to 600,000 people. And so God was asking Jonah, so Jonah, wait, you want me to just cut down? You want me to just destroy all these hundreds of thousands of people and children in one day because of your self-righteous sense of justice? Who do you think I am? That's, who, that's, that's what God is trying to help Jonah see at the end of this book. H have you ever heard of the story of the two cities in the Bible called Sodom and Gomorrah. It's in the book of Genesis. And in the story of Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Genesis, the people of Sodom and Gomorrah were really bad. In fact, they were probably worse off than the Ninevites. And God was going to destroy the city of Nineveh. But then a man named Abraham begged God on behalf of the city and asked that God would be merciful and, and not destroy them. And God said to Abraham, God says, if I can find 10 people in the city that's filled with hundreds of thousands of people in, in, in Sodom and Gomorrah. God says, if I can find just 10 people in that city who repent of their sin, I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to send down fire and brimstone from heaven because that's what happened. God says, if you can find 10 people, I will be merciful. Abraham could not find one person and God destroyed them. But think about Jonah now. Take, take that what you know about Sodom and Gomorrah and come back to Jonah. Um, here we have Jonah who has just preached in a city of about 600,000 people. And the Bible says everyone in that city repented of their sin. God said to Sodom and Gomorrah, if I find 10, I'll forgive them. But here in Nineveh, the whole city, all 600,000 of them repented. And yet Jonah is still angry and upset that God has been merciful to them. This is, this is not godly attitude. Now, if you remember at the beginning, I told you at the beginning of this book, or at the beginning of today's session, that the book of Jonah, the ending is very disappointing. Well, this is it. This is the end of the book. Like literally, this, this is how the story ends. It just, it ends abruptly with so many unanswered questions. Like the Ninevites have repented. God has chosen to forgive them. Jonah is still angry and he wants to die. That's it. That, like that's the end of the story. I was thinking like, this is, this is like one of those movies that you pay for. And at the end of it, it's so bad. You're like, I beg, just give me my money back. Like, what did I just watch? Right? That's the end of our story. 
And it ends on a disappointing note because you're like, Jonah doesn't get it. Unfortunately, um, we don't know what happens to Jonah after this book. The Bible doesn't really tell us. We do know this, though, that Jesus Christ in the New Testament actually quotes the book of Jonah twice. He references the book of Jonah twice in Matthew chapter 12, verse 40. Jesus says, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus was comparing his, his death and resurrection to Jonah's time in the fish. So I, I guess that's a good thing. That's a good sign. If Jesus compares what he's going through to you, that's a good sign. And, you know, I, w I will say this, though, in fairness to Jonah, Jonah was honest enough to write for us in the Bible what he went through, including all of the ugly mistakes that he made. So I guess in that sense, Jonah is a good ending because he wants us to learn from the mistakes that he made. And so as we wrap up our session together, as we wrap up these five sessions, as we conclude our time in the book of Jonah, uh, let, let me go over real quick um, what we have learned from Jonah through the course of this book. Number one, remember that God's judgment, even God's punishment is not meant to pay you back for your sin, but rather God's judgment or punishment is meant to bring you back from your sin. God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and even his heavy hand is designed to bring you back. It may hurt a little, but his design, his intention is to bring you back into a right relationship with him. Second lesson we learned in the book of Jonah is that God hears our prayers even in the darkest places of life. Remember what we said in session two, there is no depth to which you can sink where God's mercy and grace cannot reach. He hears us even in the darkest of places. Number three, God is at work even in the unlikeliest of places. The people and the places we may look and say, God will never work there. God says, oh, I'm ready to do that. Remember, God is in the resurrection business and, and he is looking today for the most unlikely person to use for his purpose. Remember, scripture says the spirit of God searches to and fro throughout the earth, looking for somebody whose heart is open to his. I pray that's your heart. And today we learned in this session that compassion, grace, mercy, Patience is meant for the people in our lives, not the things in our lives. So my prayer for you is this, that God would fill your hearts with his great love and his great compassion, that his spirit would, would just overwhelm your spirit with his love. And out of that, you would, become, you would become faithful messengers of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your generation. And so let me pronounce a blessing on you as we finish our time together. May the Lord God of heaven bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus name. God bless you guys. See you soon.